Verse 9, and God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. And you can jump up to verse 1 all the way through 9 to see what the contents of this everlasting covenant are. But, but then he adds this verse that this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Not 
You see, circumcision of the flesh was a sign and an important one that, but it was not the possession of the things in the Bible. There still needed to be a work done in the heart to lay hold of circumcision of the But where did they learn the messaging? If Moses says to them, how does it make sense for them to hear a message? To be circumcised in your heart. You, you, you therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart. How did that even make sense as Moses gives that as an appeal or as a command? Pointing out that circumcision of the flesh is not enough. How did they understand that you to be circumcised in the heart? What concept did they have? Oh, that makes sense. Circumcision. Thank you. 
Reformation and rule Galatians and Romans and declaring the gospel free from works righteousness. Rome has said, and some of you are former Roman Catholics, you know it still exists. A sign and the things signified by it are one and the same. That by being baptized, one of you is in So once again, Paul here is informed that his gospel is under attack in this manner. His happy, the accusations that the Judaizers are bringing to the churches of Galatia and Asia and, and, and South Galatia and Asia Minor, what they're saying is that Paul's gospel is half correct. And, 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 and what's critically important about that is, is that his gospel is not obedient to God's covenant standards. Did he not say that we must be circumcised? So for Paul to say that it is by faith alone that rests upon Christ's completed and sufficient work alone, apart from the standards of circumcision, is wrong. So the gospel hangs in the balance. Is it a faith?
question that is hitting Galatians very hard, that can believe or faith is great. Sure. You need some. Trust. Sure. But you have to be circumcised and obey the law. And I would just note for you this briefly, and then we're moving into the text. The same arguments we made for baptism. We must understand that no one is regenerated by the waters of baptism. The waters of baptism sign or point or speak of the reality of the internalization of that promise comes to the not Internalization of the gospel comes from faith, not by circumcision. These are the parallel arguments in the Galatians. Notice how Paul then, if you're looking at the text of Galatians, let me get there just briefly. In chapter 1, notice how Paul responds to this issue, this attack, the very beginning. The first thing, I'll give you two things about how we see very, very introductory letter, or introductory portion of the letter. Paul responds very forcefully to the idea that his gospel is just half cocked. It's not sure. It's not, not, not sure fully. It's half. That is, the very first one, he appeals to his apostleship. Notice his apostleship. But this directly says Paul, and he gets it this way an apostle. Not from men, and he spoke about this last week just briefly, not from a bunch of guys, uh, the apostles, the, the number of them, or a, a, a few of them, nor through a single one of them, not by a single man, not from a who laid their hands on me and gave it to me and taught it to me. Or for a single man who did either of those. My apostleship in my gospel, you'll argue in just a moment of text, came through Jesus Christ. And God the Father, when he adds this potent fact, power, who raised him. This is where I derive my authority, and this is where I derive my gospel. So Paul is immediately pushing back and again, no, he's got the gospel wrong. He says, no, I got it directly from God who raised my Lord from the dead. In other words, he's appealing to my authority. I'm not on the same plane with paganism. I'm not. I receive the origin of my apostleship and the gospel I faithfully preach to you from God who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Secondly, there's another piece of the power of his gospel that is being under attack, the message that he preaches. And that is, I want you to see carefully he appeals to Catholicity. That's an important piece of this text. He's going to argue against what he would deem a minority of points. He argues forcefully from Catholicity. Notice how in verse 2 he adds to the power, the source, the origination of the glory being divine. He adds to it medium of brotherhood. And, so again, Paul, an apostle, well, yeah, so, so forth, many people are telling us that. No, no, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. And then notice argument as well. Again, verse 6, I, as he stands alone, I am astonished. I just can't believe it that you are so quickly deserving him who 
my mind is blown. Now there is another one. There are some who trouble you. I want to distort. They want to distort the gospel of Christ. And notice this Catholicity that emerges yet again. And so he intended by an astonishment of Catholicity as gospel. But even if we, who, me, and all the brothers, who are with me, and even if we, or an angel from heaven, which is put into the category of others. Even if there's an angel who appeared and preached, and he preaches to you a gospel, a good news announcement that is contrary to the one that we, the church, we, the brothers who stand with me in this land, preach. bolstering his argument. Why not thinking about a one-on-one? But rather he's dealing with the fact that this gospel of what I stand for, what I have taught, and what I still maintain is the Catholic people view of the gospel. It's not theosocratic. It's not made up by me. It's not got certain facts that it lacks and up half-hearted appeal. It is the gospel. Paul is appealing very powerfully here. I think we really need to wrap our eyes around this. Paul is appealing to the unwavering apostolic consensus regarding the gospel. Me and the brothers who are with me. Again, while it is oftentimes unhealthy, and I'll give you this up front, I, I, I absolutely agree. Line about the gospel that Paul here makes of the Catholic apostolic consensus. We need to be careful on what we're arguing for. But in other words, we've got to be careful in defining what the gospel is. Otherwise, we really make some poor judgments on assigning who is Orthodox and who isn't. It's upon us to get the gospel right if we're going to make a dividing line. Or rather, poorly put. We're not making it anything. It is a divine line. And if we are to follow that divine line in the right way, we need to understand and define it in the divine line. And it cannot be some highly nuanced piece of interest to us, whereby we then write other people out. Neither can it deny historic realities in order to bring We must. While it is, as I said, oftentimes unhealthy and overall uncovered to live our lives in us versus them fashion, you can think that for a few moments. You can think about how it is unhelpful and how also in public discourse it's incredibly difficult to have any such discourse when there is immediately coming to the table an us versus them mentality on every said issue. 
Now, with all of that intensity, notice uh, that even though the rhetoric here that Paul is using is very direct, I'm right, I'm an apostle, I'm empowered by God, who Christ who raised him from the dead, and all the church is with thee. And 
so much so that I even came to you, or an angel, or one of the brothers, re-preached the gospel, and had different nuances, different categories. He is to be ours. Even in that heavy-handed rhetoric, notice verse 3 through 5, there is a word of peace in this. This too is what we speak of. Important part as we conclude our time here 
is that the Christian experiences real comfort, abundant grace, very meaningful peace. This is the this is the, the conclusion, not because of his law. Did you hear that? I Christian experiences real comfort, abundant grace, meaningful peace, not because of his or her law or circumcision, in the case of Galatia, but because of Jesus Christ giving himself for his or her sins, full stop. Let me conclude with this thought. If it were true, you've probably heard it said uh, a number of times. It's always a caricature, uh, kind of a funny joke, um, uh, maybe some sort of skin. What if it were true that when you get to heaven, you will be asked by St. Peter, why should I not be with you? Your thoughts that tear up to you a little bit? What if it's true? Yes, before you have a chance to get all the way through creation in the next three years. He asks you before it, right now, today, later tonight, he asks you, why should I do this in The only grounds you can offer it is if you die tonight. The only grounds you can offer
this signpost of immersion and depression. We pray that the Holy Spirit by these means would indeed have his work in us to confront that which is out of despair, to make us more attractive, to cleanse our eyes from all vision, to renew our hearts, give our brains thoughtfulness towards our Christian walk in you, how our spiritual lives would love you, and help us.